Welcome, welcome, my beloveds, to the Spirit Talk Podcast. I am your host, Michael L. Pearson. I am founder of the marriage community, Love and Matrimony, as well as Christian Counseling Ministries. I am also the author of the book, Unintentional Sins, Bridging the Gap Between the LGBT Community and the Church. So why don't you sit back, relax, and prepare yourself to be enlightened, informed, and inspired as we quiet the flesh and let our spirits talk. It is with a lot of uh, anticipation that I'm doing this uh, podcast on conscious parenting. Um, I've, there's been a tremendous buildup on my social media sites that has gotten me to this point simply because I wanted to give out some information regarding conscious parenting first, before we got right into the uh, meat <coughs> of the topic, simply because it is a, a revolutionary idea of parenting. It is an activist uh, idea of parenting and activism usually means a break or change in norms and uh, breaking from that and moving into another direction, uh, usually because there is a more liberating <clears throat> uh, aspect to the, uh, to the that, that's more liberating than the current set of circumstances that is currently being lived in. So I think we need to go ahead and just dive right into this and just Uh, get into conscious parenting and maybe we can touch a few people and have them uh, understand some of the errors and flaws that we have been pre-programmed with to uh, live with and to live under in regards to parenting our children. uh, We are definitely, definitely living in the stone age when it comes to uh, parenting our children. Hopefully by the time we get to the end of this, there will be a clear enough understanding to where you'll see exactly where I'm coming from. And not only that, but you'll actually be able to see where I'm also going to with this idea of conscious parenting. So uh, first, I'd like to tell you about why I'm doing this. Um, It's because of my experience dealing with children today and the disconnect between them and their parents. And I'm not just talking about uh, small children but also adults who are still suffering from conditions imposed on them as they were growing up. Um, It's also to make parents more conscious as to what they're doing to their children and how they may be damaging their child's growth, self-esteem, and confidence. So the question is, what exactly is conscious parenting? Uh, In conscious parenting, if we focus on just those two words, conscious and parenting, we're focusing on conscious first. Conscious means to be completely and totally aware in your present moment, Uh, to be conscious. I can only be conscious of myself. Um, And if we add in the second word, parenting, it means to be consciously aware in the present moment in your parenting skill, what it is that you are doing, what it is that uh, requires change in you, um, how you may be... uh, Areas where you may need to be uh, healed from different things that you may have been exposed to, whether that was by your parents, whether that was from uh, some form of trauma or woundedness that you experienced in your past. And uh, 
most of the time, this means that when your child comes along, they are uh, beneficiaries of some of the things that may be going on in your mind that you are not consciously aware of. So conscious parenting is about becoming completely and consciously aware of what is going on within you and how it shows up <clears throat> in your life. So opposite of that is, I guess, in the next most logical question is, what is unconscious parenting? Unconscious parenting is what I believe for the most part, most parents do. And I'm when I please understand when I talk about this, um, I talk about this coming into the realization and becoming more and more conscious as a grandparent than I ever was as a parent. So I am not excluded from this idea of unconscious parenting because I too was an unconscious parent. But moving forward, I would like for my children, your children, your great grandchildren and great grandchildren to be a part of a conscious movement of parenting in which they are aware of themselves and what they're doing. So back again to what is unconscious parenting. <clears throat> unconscious parenting is a detachment. It is a detachment from source. Um, it's when parents uh, are not aware of the things that reside within themselves and they in turn push off their triggers, uh, their emotional state, uh, <clears throat> things that, 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 that they experience within themselves. They push that off on their child and they parent, raise, negotiate, deal with, communicate with their child from an unconscious place. They deal with their children from a place of discipline, order, force, mandates, <clears throat> all of these things are unconscious attempts to try to forcefully steer our children into directions and to behave and to do things for solely for our benefit without taking any uh, responsibility or look at ourselves as for where the, the action or reaction that our child may be showing us as to where that may be coming from and what part we may be playing inciting that behavior in our child. That is being unconscious. <clears throat> so I want to share this too here. Here are some shockers, things that I think that uh, is done in the vein of being an unconscious parent that have become accepted as norms in, our, in the parenting process that I think we need to scrap and uh, throw away. Um, some of the things that, in any, once again, these are things that even I've said. Uh, some phrases of unconscious parenting. Uh, I have four here. One is, what I say goes. I know, pretty sure we've all heard that before. I'm pretty sure we've all said that before. I am the parent. I don't have to explain myself to a child. I'm pretty sure we've heard that before. I'm pretty sure we've all said that before. And uh, didn't I say, don't say another word? I'm pretty sure we've heard that before. I've said that myself before. Now, this one here is the biggie. Uh, because I said so. <clears throat> because I said so. Um, again, I've heard it before. I've said it before. But all of these are statements that for the most part, come from an unconscious place. And I say unconscious because to use them is to dis is to be dismissive to whatever is being asked or whatever is being required from the child. So 
to use those statements. And these are things, those are statements that we would never, ever make to our, 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 our friends. We would never say those things to our uncles, aunts, family members, co-workers. We would never dismiss a conversation or the desire for another human being in our lives who, to, to, who, who wants, who, who's asking something of us. We would never use those as uh, effective means of communication when dealing with those people in our life, with other people in our lives. So the question then becomes, and, 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 is, and validates the unconscious state of these statements, it then becomes, why in turn would we then <clears throat> give those statements to our children as a means of effective communication? And this is why I say it is unconscious parenting because we are not consciously aware, even though it is used, even though it has been said to us, it may have been accepted as a norm, but we are not consciously aware of the effects that it may be having on our children when we make such dismissive uh, statements. Now, I want to go here. There is a tremendous, and a lot of times we get our, uh, especially if we're involved in the church or if you're involved in some uh, religious or uh, spiritually cultural (coughs) uh, background, uh, have a spiritually cultural background, um, I want to point out the difference between Biblical children and today's and today's child. Uh, there's the golden rule in the uh, scripture, and this probably resonates across most cultural um, or religious institutions or trains of thought. Spare the rod, spoil the child. We've been raised to believe that in some way this is best for the child. We bleed into that statement our own cultural perspective and parental dominance. Proverbs 23, 13 says, also says, do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. Proverbs 13, 24 says, he that spares the rod hates his son. Proverbs 19 and 18 says, chastise thy son while there is hope and let not, I'm sorry, and let not your soul spare for his crying. Proverbs 29, 15, and 17 says, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings his mother to shame. I want to get a very, very clear understanding because I know some of these terms, especially within the church body, are uh, sacred in regards to raising our children and and, and, uh, using the rod as a form of discipline a necessary form of discipline in relation to uh, raising our children. Um, I want to say this. First of all, all of these statements that I've just read to you came from one book, Proverbs. Proverbs is an Old Testament book. Proverbs is is just that. It's allegorical. It is a proverb. It is not a law. Now, if I have to explain the difference between a law and a proverb. A proverb simply means something that is beneficial for the uh, foreseeable future or the uh, to, 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 for, for the course of a certain nation, people. It is beneficial in the sense that it may work or it may not. 
you know, it's not a uh, it's not a guarantee that sparing the rod will spoil will not spoil the child, because as we already know, by today's standard alone, most children today, even though they may be disciplined, even though they may experience physical discipline, most children today. The discipline that's given does not bring about positive change. Some cases it does. Some cases it does. It does not. I counsel many children who the first thing I ask is, are they being disciplined physically? And if they are, that is the first thing. I, it shows up so much in the child's behavior and the child's resentment of the rules and boundaries that are being trying to be put in place with children. It shows up in such a way to the first thing I say is discontinue physical punishment. And we're going to find an alternate way, a more conscious way of dealing with the child. Uh, now, if we're talking about laws, the laws that God gave for his people were priests, were laws put in place that were an automatic benefit to, to humanity, an automatic benefit to the people of Israel. If he said, do not kill, you do not kill. If he said, do not steal, you do not steal. These were things that had no wiggle room. There was a positive outcome. If you obeyed the laws of God, then there was an immediate benefit to be reaped from the, uh, from the, from, from the following, from, the, from obedience, from the discipline that is uh, handed down by God. Now, discipline versus emotion is a major, is, is also a major thing. Uh, a lot of parents are using their authority. And this is a key thing. A lot of parents are using their authority as discipline, disciplinary correctness. Authority is necessary. But when it is brutal, condescending, short-tempered, and dictating, it loses something. Biblical times for children is uh, pretty much can be displayed this way. Remember the Old Testament. It wasn't a big deal to sacrifice children to the gods by throwing them into fire. And what I'm going to do here is give you a, try to establish an understanding. It is not just biblical. This is uh, also, um, this, this, this sentiment echoes across most cultures in regards to children. Children are considered to be subordinates. Um, remember the Old Testament, it wasn't a big deal to sacrifice children to the gods by throwing them in the fire. Uh, all around the children of Israel, this was an acceptable means of uh Dealing with managing or or, or uh, using children. Remember, Abraham was to take Isaac up to a place and sacrifice him. Uh, that was the the, the uh, measure of obedience that God required from Abraham, because at the time, the state or condition of a child was not established in the sense that it came to be established after the cross. And we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, children have no voice or say in matters concerning themselves. They were subordinates. Fathers could give their daughters away to strangers as a means of making peace. Now, um, remember when Lot gave his daughter to the strangers that showed up at his house. Uh, the strangers came and they wanted to... Uh, I'm sorry, they wanted to have uh, intercourse with 
the uh, male angels, according to my understanding, that were there at Lot's keep at his house. But Lot in turn offered his daughters as a replacement for his uh, for his guests that were being the angels that were being kept at his house. Now, you have to understand that for Lot to make this type of decision and what I'm trying to get you to understand and establish here is that the relationship and the thoughtfulness regarding children was not of the significance and importance as it is today, as it should be. It should be today, but it wasn't at the time. I want to tell you also a quick story that I heard from a, a Vietnam vet. Uh, I'm not quite sure who he can't remember his name, but he told me the story of a Vietnamese woman who was being moved out of an area that I guess they had a firefight in or the area was destroyed. And uh, they were moving her out and she had a child and with her, she also had a pig. Well, they were in a, a little canoe paddle boat uh, and they were picking this woman up out of this area to try to save her. And when they picked her up and to, to get to put her into the boat, they told her both could not come. She would have to leave the pig. Uh, much to their dismay, she in turn threw the child over into the water to drown. And they questioned her on that and were, uh, you know, they were, of course, appalled at what this woman had done. And her reasoning for that was she can always have another child. She may not be able to get another pig. And she needed the pig for her sustenance, food, things of that nature. So again, the conditions and the placement and the value of children, according to my understanding, is uh, of the utmost importance and became of the utmost importance after the cross. Now, I'm going to keep telling you why I keep saying that after the cross because Jesus changed all of that by elevating the status of children in his message and in his ministry and sort of leveling the playing field. Matthew 18, Jesus' disciples asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of God? Then Jesus called a little child to him and set him in the midst of them and said, unless you are converted and become like little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. You have to understand how much of a shocker this had to be to the culture in which he is speaking. Now we know this to be true because Jesus' mantra is the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Jesus also says in verse six, whoever receives one little child like this in my name also receives me. Then he says, whoever causes one of these little ones to stumble, it will be better for him if he tied a milestone around his neck and be cast into the sea. So the question then becomes, what are we to do? What are we to do uh, with, the, with, the, with this uh, dynamic? Um, <clears throat> I'm sorry. Children have been elevated to a different status. Um, briefly, I'll go over this. At the, after the cross, women, as well as children, who were considered subordinates, had equal, were, were on an equal playing field as men. Um, this is part of the liberation of, of, of what... Christ has done. So living in the time that we're living in now, uh, we live in the age of information. Um, the culture of today's child is comparison 
to children with the Bible is in comparison to children in the Bible is like night and day, just based off of the access to information alone. Today's child has something that we never had as far as coming from my generation. They have Google. If we keep it 100%, a child can question our opinions in a matter of seconds. Whereas in time, we either accepted what was said as right or we got the famous line because I said so. And we were forced to make, we were forced to walk away dissatisfied and feeling like there was a part of us that was left unheard and without care or concern. What I'm saying today is that model of parenting does not work. It never did. But it's easily seen today because children no longer have to walk away with those feelings because they can now equip themselves to express their opinions more accurately. Are y'all telling me that y'all have all not come to find out some things that your parents or grandparents told you are completely false because you simply Googled it? Things that we may have held dear to our understanding, to our reasoning, to our logic, things that were said lovingly. Um, from my parents and grandparents, we've come to find out today is no more than myth or old wives tales that may have some substance of truth, but in reality are not actually true. Okay, so this is the challenge. It's a child and two, it's a child's intuitive consciousness looking for the opportunity to express itself with the person who should be most willing to hear it. That's why the living in this age of information, children are intuitively learning when they hear a particular thing. Their intuition now has source, a base source to confirm (coughs) what they feel intuitively. But we don't understand. Instead, we are often dismissive as parents. So here's the answer. We have to learn to parent from our consciousness and not our ego. Ego is uh, defined as the place that develops in us first. It is a natural course of development because self-care and self-concern has to develop first because it allows us to see ourselves, protect ourselves, make decisions for ourselves on the basis of self-preservation. So it develops first. It is a part of our human makeup for protection. It causes us to be concerned about our younger self as a means of survival. Ego suggests fear in all occasions. Ego is hell-bent on proving that it's right and its way is final. No one is right all the time, right? But as parents, did we not think we were? As parents, we do not always know what's the best. But at different points, of raising our children, didn't we think we were right all the time? That is the sentiment that I get from children in counseling, where that is what they felt, that based on what the parents said, based on the uh, rules and regulations that were being put in place, although they were put in place for the purpose of safety and governing that child, like I just told everybody, Children are more intuitive now based on the access to an unlimited stream of dialogue and information. 
When we parent from our ego, we lose connection. We stunt the growth of the relationships. We mistake our children's intuitive and inquisitive nature and them asking questions as being challenging to us and being disrespectful. We do not give equal space in conversation and zero communication when it comes to hearing them in regards to things that they desire for their own life. Conscious parenting is putting the ego to sleep so that authentic connections can be made on a soul level. Let's say this. Children of today are intelligent, are too intelligent for our parents' parenting. That is just a fact. Children today are way too intelligent for our parents' parenting. There has to be a paradigm shift, there, there, and there has been. It took place at the cross. The family construct and how we all are called to interact with each other has been dramatically changed. The phrase, because I said so, is one of the most dismissive and disrespectful phrases a parent can use. When that is said to a child, it squanders away the potential of us connecting with our children through, con through conversation in a very caring and loving way. So when, <clears throat> when we hear our children, uh, or I'm sorry, when our children are not heard, what happens then is there is a emotional slash spiritual outcry from our children that uh, if we're not consciously aware of what they are showing us, what they're giving back to us, it looks as if they're being disobedient, uh, unkind, maybe even uh, disrespectful to the precepts, boundaries, rules, and limitations that we are trying to put in place. Often I ask when it comes to dealing with children, when it comes to ask parents, when it comes to dealing with, with their children, what is their triggers? And oftentimes a parent points at the things that that child may be doing as being a trigger. To them, to think that our children are intentionally, now I want you to understand this, to think that our children are intentionally doing things to push our buttons is a sad reflection of what we think of them. Do we really think that children intentionally behave in a way that pushes our buttons because they want to be yelled at, called names, hit, hollered at, and sometimes even cursed at. Is this truly, I need to know, is this truly what we think? Here's the biggest lie in all of parenting. If we change the child's behavior, be it forceful coercion, strict punishment, or physically abusing them, that the parent won't be triggered anymore. An unconscious parent assumes that the child knows better and is purposefully attempting to tick them off, and by this assumption, it validates the ego to take center stage. An unconscious parent says, <clears throat> I am upset and irritated because my child has done this or that. A conscious parent says, what is it that's broken in me that allows this behavior from my child to trigger me? An unconscious parent says, why are you being a bad child? A conscious parent says, what message is my child conveying to me that I am missing? <clears throat> An unconscious parent says, my child is way out of control. I did not raise him or her to be this way. 
a conscious parent says, my child is mirroring back to me a version of myself that without him or her, I may not have found or been willing to even look at. So as I become more accountable, more present and more conscious, I in turn free my child from the burden of reflecting back to me my flawed self-image that I've learned to hide so effectively. That is the basis of conscious parenting. It is understanding that our children are a reflection of our flaws, of our gaps, of our wounds, of our holes. We may love our children and pour into them all that we have, but those areas in which we lack, we cannot pour into them in those areas. And because of that, those things are what they will reflect back to us. It is not so far-fetched to even say that our children show up in time and space. They show up in our lives to help us and to assist us in our own correctness. But yet, if we look at them as little mutants that were sent here and now that they have arrived, they are intentionally hell-bent on finding what it is that triggers us and forces us to behave in a manner that is unruly, disrespectful, and physically punishing. If we think that that is the basis of the relationship with our child, then we run into all sorts of problems. I want to give you what I believe is the first example of conscious parenting, because whenever I do these podcasts, I like to stick with my scripture. I like to stick with my Bible. So I want to give you the first idea that I think of there being a conscious parenting situation or circumstance in scripture. So I'm going to talk about uh, Jesus walking away from his, from his mother and father and how they handled it. I think they handled that in a very, very conscious way. And the reason I say that is because they did not snatch him up. They didn't talk down to him. They didn't put him on punishment. They spared the rod. He left his home and returned to a foreign land there was history regarding Egypt with Israel, and it was not a good history. Did they have a right to bust little Jesus behind? I think they I think they did. I think they are the first prime example of conscious parenting. Why? Because they had been told beforehand that they had this special child that was going to be a blessing to them and was of the utmost importance, not just for the ushering in of God's kingdom as the son of God, but also for Joseph and Mary as their son. So it is incredibly important that we understand <clears throat> the foundation and what has been laid down and what is required of us as parents to do things in a more conscious way. One of the biggest issues that we're dealing with now in schools are depression, suicidal thoughts, and bullying, even as young as elementary school. How do you think a child with a more intuitive spirit, with access <clears throat> to 
an abundance of dialogue with access to internet, with access to Google, with access to a plethora, a wide open, a sea of information with comparisons from this household and that household and the the videos that they listen to on YouTube that show family and family constructs and how families operate. What do you think a child is the conclusion that a child is supposed to draw when he sees these images and then he looks at his own household and in his own household, he's not even given the benefit of the doubt for conversation because I said so is the rule the marker, it's the period at the end of effective dialogue in his life. It is the unconscious attempt. It is the use of authority. It is the use of our position as parents to quench the conversation <clears throat> and dismiss whatever it is that the child may have been inquiring about. So naturally, what does that child do as they develop? That child ultimately learns and starts to understand that authority is power and power is force. So when they are let loose in as young as elementary school classes, when they are let loose, what do you think happens when they are trying to find their way? What do you think that they do when they come up to a lesser child? And they have been raised with the understanding that power is authority and authority is force. Now they have the opportunity to display their own power, their own authority and their own force. Now, I want you to understand this. What happens when there's a group of such like children all raised with the same dysfunctional and unconscious parenting techniques, the same unconscious parenting techniques that I was raised with, that for the most part my children were raised with. What happens when a group of these children get together and they become, for the lack of a better word, the mean girls or the mean boys? And the child that may not have as much or may have less becomes the target of their authority, power, and their force. All because in an unconscious way, because this is not about blame. All because in an unconscious way, we've taught them this. And now in an unconscious way, they're going to school and acting this out. And they're bringing about anxiety, depression, and suicide in other children who may be a little bit lesser, who may not have as loud a voice as they have, who may not be able to walk as confidently in their dysfunction as these other children. So, this is my point with conscious parenting. And I want this to be a movement that we all pick up on. I want this to be a, uh, a, <clears throat> a decision that we make to understand 
that we have to be consciously present in dealing with our children. That every behavior, every act that they show us is there for a reason. We have to be consciously aware, consciously in tune with our child to be able to read and understand the things that this child may be doing and understand how, what is the message in this behavior that I'm supposed to get out of it. I'm not saying that this is easy. Excuse me, everybody, please. I have a, dealing with a slight cold here, but I'm not saying that this is an easy thing to do. There's help to be able to assist you in understanding how to read the signs of your child and what that child is saying to you about you. You could contact 513-238-2607. That is Christian Counseling Ministries. If there's not an answer on the phone, leave a message. You can also follow my Facebook page which is Michael Pearson. You can also follow my Facebook community page, which is of the same name as the number that I just gave you, Christian Counseling Ministries. You can search those on Facebook and you can follow those pages. There's a lot of daily information given out on both of both of my uh, social media accounts. Um, I also have it, Twitter and uh, um, Instagram. But there's a lot of information given out on those accounts to assist you daily in understanding the walk into conscious parenting. You can also go to those pages. You can inbox me. You can ask questions. I am open. I'm an open door because ultimately the goal is to elevate humanity, to elevate the consciousness of people, to open the heart to love, to make the heart receptive to the things that it needs to see in order for it to continue to grow on a path and to leave behind effective, healthy, loving, and caring young people. So I hope that this message has benefited you. In the next coming week, I will also be doing a Facebook Live on this very topic. So if you listen to this podcast, please hit the uh, follow button. Please tell someone about the uh, podcast and the conscious parenting topic. And when the Facebook live comes, there will be a notification on my social media sites so that everybody can be made aware. If there's questions, you can feel free to ask questions and we can get a complete understanding on this conscious parenting thing and start to make a revolutionary change for our children to incorporate and usher in a world that serves them and they serve a world where it is loving, kind, caring, and more peaceful. We can eliminate social anxiety. We can eliminate depression. We can eliminate bullying in our elementary schools and these young children that are losing their lives simply because unconscious parents are sending to school unconscious children who are acting simply out of the broken system of parenting that they live under. God bless everybody. We will be talking again soon. Thank you.